What's up, everybody? Andrew Cleary here, back to you with Season 2, Episode 16, Part 2 of the F1 Podcast. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to look, Part 1 is now online on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, where uh, Jonathan and I have broke down the 2022 Hungarian Grand Prix, where we saw Max Verstappen win um, the race and take a, and, you know put a vice grip pretty much on the Drivers' Championship uh erica has joined me today erica how are you doing doing well how are you cleary good welcome back to the channel that's uh great to see you back and we get to have a fun episode today uh because we we get to talk about you know the world of f1 that happened this past week i don't know if you know something a couple things happened something happened really yeah Yeah, uh, lewis hamilton joined the denver broncos ownership team ownership (laughs) group which was surprising but cool and i'm excited by that <laughs> yeah i just don't put hammer as a broncos fan you know like he's a winner and the broncos don't win no i i have to say like if this is where we're starting things off i i was surprised i do love that anytime a social media outlet posted this the comments were hilarious and people were roasting him like bono bono my footballs are gone like all kinds of stuff <laughs> just knowing that this is gonna be a nightmare uh like if if you know he were in the seats and able to say what he says when he's in his car but um yeah that was an interesting way to start off the week for sure going into summer break I thought that was pretty cool I love seeing uh, athletes of different sports coming into um becoming part of ownerships of other spirits you know we have like LeBron James being part ownership of Liverpool FC um I believe I think it's is it Tra- well, Trouty owns part of LA, the Angels itself, I think. Um, but, you know, starting to see ownership deals in with some contracts, but to see, you know, athletes of different sports becoming ownerships of other, te- of, 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 you know, professional teams of other sports other than what they play, it's quite fun to look at. Um, no, but the real reason we're here to talk is about um, Honda resigning with Red Bull, of course, until 2025 as their te- technical director for their powertrain unit, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think right? so. That's it. Nothing else exciting happening in the world out there. Nothing with the drivers and our oh, grid the line. Drivers, yes, the drivers. So many things on the move. My goodness. Yeah, I don't know if, if you were living under a rock this past week in the F1 world. Do you miss quite a bit? It was. I mean, uh, where where to where to begin with this, Andrew? Where does one begin? Well, Erica, let's begin with just your first and foremost. Could we had. So again, as I mentioned, part one is up on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify um, for this episode where Richie and I did review the Hungarian Grand Prix. What are your takes away from the 2022 Hungarian Grand Prix before going into the summer break? Yeah, so I won't dive too much into this because I'm sure you two covered this a lot, but I have to say um, refreshing in the sense that it was not the craziest race. We've had several races back to back over the last few weeks where Anything that can go wrong would go wrong for some drivers with cars quite literally exploding, flipping, uh, spinning, crashing, all kinds of stuff. So nice to see that we got away relatively unscathed this time around. Um, Obviously, again, when I say there's no drama, that means that, of course, Ferrari messed up the tire strategy, (laughs) costing uh, Leclerc finishing a little bit higher in the race, which is a shame. And I... 
I can't say anything that I'm sure hasn't already been said about that, but I mean, Max is just proving, you know, before I used to say that I didn't know if he really was able to stay calm under pressure. And I thought that it was just the car that was really carrying him, but he's really showing this year that he's matured as a driver to spin out, lose the lead and then come back and take it relatively easily is something that I think would rattle a lot more people on the grid. So, um, I think it was a well-deserved win on his part and hopefully when we come back from the summer break, uh, Ferrari's figured their stuff out and, uh, you know, I really hate to say it, but for all you Latifi fans out there, there's now mathematically no way that he can win the driver's championship. So that is unfortunate, but, uh, still a long way to go to see who else might make their way up the rankings there. So a good point. No, I love, I love that. Um, no, I think you said it really well. Uh, Max is kind of driving with a new confidence this year. Um, he just he seems more free in the car, I think, mm-hmm. and just trusting his instincts that you know he know he can he knows he can be a world champion. Trusting his judgment going from there, and yeah, as well, right? Especially with the spin, you know, we joked that you did the spin just to can double do a double check on the fact <laughs> that Leclerc was doing white had white walls on his tires as opposed to like you know softer mediums, so. Yeah, to spin out like that and to really just kind of pick up and nothing leave off like nothing happened was pretty uh, was pretty impressive. I will <clears> say it was kind of funny talking. This is from my dad. What he was saying this week um, was that, you know, when it comes to Verstappen, I mean, like you get that first kind of win out of the way, the pressure's off, you do your thing. And uh, I feel like that's showing. Like last year, there was so much riding on him. But uh, also, I mean... And I I hadn't totally thought about this, but it was definitely kind of in the back of of my mind until he said it. But like Max said no to hards and the team listened. Uh, Leclerc said no to hards and Ferrari didn't listen. And so as much as we like to believe the data and the engineers and all that stuff, there is something to be said for that kind of intuition and feeling a driver has for their car, right? So uh, I I have a question that we'll provide in our mid-season review that will be coming up uh, soon. Um, but just pondering a thought, I know when Benato said it early on in the year that they don't anticipate they're going to win the championship. Do you think they're actually just blowing it to not win it? Like, do you think they're. I just don't understand what the logic behind that would be. Like no, you exactly, have this right? championship winning car. You said you don't think you're going to win. And it's like, do you just not trust your team? And you're that pessimistic about your chances that you've just like thrown in the towel. And you're like, we may as well just do the most wild stuff we can think of. Darn <laughs> these drivers and their hopes and dreams and whatnot. We're just going to yeet ourselves into 2022. But. Uh, well, as Richie like, was mentioning that he says that Bonato may not be part of the Ferrari pit wall come after this break. I don't know about after the break. I definitely think that if this continues in the second half of the season, then like not next year, absolutely not. So I don't know. I just, I, I just have so many, like what we were talking about this last week, Richie and I, when we were hanging out, it was just like, I'm pretty sure that if he applied for like a senior engineer position, He'd have better takes than what the team is currently doing. Well, that's where he came from, right? He came from that engineering background. So maybe he is best to be suited with the technical development of the car. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? But nevertheless, 
there was a wild week that happened and it started off with a former Ferrari driver um, and Rebel driver. Uh, Sebastian Vettel on July 28th announced his retirement at the F at the end of the season. So that he will not be racing in formula for in Formula one after Abu Dhabi. Um, it was funny, right? Because he all of a sudden gets social media and gets Instagram yes. and everyone's kind of like, Oh, what's going on? This is pretty sweet. And it was only just to announce that he is retiring from F1 saying that my goals have shifted from winning races and championships to seeing my children grow passing on my values and being able to learn from them. Erica, give me your thoughts on Sebastian Vettel's overall retirement. I have to say it was sad. Um, I'm not surprised or shocked, especially seeing how the last couple seasons at Aston have gone. I think it's really kind of dashed his, you know, aspirations if he was still really focused on winning, but like he said, his kids are getting older, his family and stuff like that's, what a lot of people would really want to focus on after having such a successful career and for racing and traveling as long as he has. Um, absolutely loved Twitter's take on it. I know a lot of people out there are probably not on Twitter or don't enjoy Twitter, but if you are a part of F1 Twitter, you will see some of the funniest things you've ever seen. And so many people were losing their minds like, oh my gosh, Vettel got Instagram. This is great. We're going to see some more memeable content on top of his antics at the track. Yay. And then he retires and they're like, I wish I wasn't so excited for that because this just dashed everything. So uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely sad to see someone like him go. I mean, what a career to have four world driving championships to have raced with two of the like powerhouses in the sport. And then to kind of take a leap of faith to go over to Aston Martin and try to help build the team over there. Unfortunate that he couldn't really like use his skills to pull that car where we all hope it would be. And we're, I'm sure anticipating it to be this season, especially after the green Red Bull week. But, uh, yeah, you know, you you can't say anything. He did a lot, and he has given it his all. I think his final, like, so his final Grand Prix, assuming he doesn't get COVID or no injury, um, will be his 300th wow. and final GP. So uh, to go through the numbers at four World Drivers Championships, 2010 to 2013, all with Red Bull, 53 wins, 122 podiums, 3,077 career points. 57 pole position and 38 fastest laps. Yeah, it, 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 it's sad to see. Now we're starting to see a generation of F1 drivers starting to leave the sport, right? Kimmy yeah. going last year, Alonzo going back in 2018, and then, you know, returning, thankfully, um, because he's he's been doing great. And, you know, he's been a part of this whole drama week that we've been talking, we're going to be talking As about. As we will up. elaborate on. <laughs> But it's good, you know, we're starting to see the old, it's, we're starting to see the old guard start to let the new wave of drivers kind of come in into the sport. And I hope that, you know, I think you've put it excellently in terms of how, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be definitely missing a, an ambassador of the sport, especially in terms of his cultural, social values, yeah. um, what he preaches in terms of, you know, equality. Um, his environmental aspects. I really think F1 should keep him on post retirement to be either a consultant in that environmental and equality space, um, mm -hmm. promoting sustainability, promoting, you know, inclusivity. 
Um, because I think he could do really good wonders with um, them wanting to, you know, in their net zero, I would say, aspirations or goals by 2050 um, for the sport. I think he'd be a really good job in that case. And I'd love to see him do commentating along with Rosberg. I think, you know, I really enjoy having the, the former drivers that are just recently retired from the sport being involved in because they know people, they know the racers on the grid. And they know what um, these new kind of these new era of cars are like. So I, I wish him nothing but the best. I, I think it is. You can tell he's just he's not happy at Aston Martin. I, I think they're farther away than what they anticipated uh, going into this season. But I think what they can instill some of those values that Vettel has provided to the team to really be able to grow um, down the road. But I think it's a multi-year project that. Seb wasn't really interested in, and he's kind of gotten to that point where, um, you know, he's able to ment, you know, he was able to pay it back as well on the track by mentoring Mick, like Michael did to him when he was in F1. So I think he's completed it really, everything he's wanted to do going forward. Yeah, the journey has come full circle. But what I'm going to be sad about is that we're not going to have the multifaceted career memes of Seb. Yeah. In the last year alone, we had safety car Seb. We had uh, Marshall Seb. Seb. We had Scooter Seb. We had good guy Seb picking up trash in the bleachers and stuff. I mean, honestly, when I, what, where, where, where are we going to get this kind of content? Well, hopefully, also, hopefully you have like Lando and those guys, you know, step up to be like that type of content in terms of going forward for the meme, for the memes. Um, but I think Ferrari doing a good job, job anyways of creating. Oh you know, quality memes in the sport. But I want to know for the people listening, like what's your favorite Sebastian Vettel meme? Mm -hmm. I'm curious. I'm sure there's some goodies out there that we're missing from over the years. Send us a direct message on Instagram or comment on our YouTube page uh, when this video goes live or when this podcast goes live to do so. As well as comment what your favorite overall Sebastian Vettel race ever was too. Love that. So, but with but, him vacating the seat at Aston, yeah, it opens just, up doors, right? We don't know who's going to be sitting at SMR. And the funny thing was, like, I had a few ideas of who who it could be. Like, I thought Ricardo could be the one that goes to Aston Martin. It opens up a seat at McLaren for a more competitive driver in that case to go there, <laughs> because McLaren is linked to. You know, the players, they've been leaked to, I think it's Colton Herta, right? He's a reserve driver from the IndyCar side that they're going to be coming in. Um, Piastri was one uh, that we'll get into later with regards to that opportunity. But nevertheless, kind of hoping as vacant, I thought it would be Ricardo. Um, I thought it would be, who else did I think? I thought Hulkenberg was going to take the seat again because yeah. he has experience with the team. He's he's a very experienced driver and he, you know, he can install winning ways for that team to go forward because especially when an announcement like that happens, you have to kind of pick your stocks up and figure out what the heck's going on, find that short-term solution in that case. But nevertheless, three days, nevertheless, three, four days later, we have this shock announcement that Fernando Alonso is not going to be returning to LP next season. He's going to Aston Martin. How that is justified in any way, shape, or form after the season Alpine has been having where they have a very racy and competitive car and you decide to go to, pardon my language, I know Rishi doesn't like it when we swear on here, shitbox of a car. I, 
am flabbergasted. That's the best adjective I can come up with to describe my current mental state over this. Like it's been days since it was announced. I'm still not okay. Even as an Aston Martin fan, I just kind of shake my head. I was like, just, I'm like, really? Like he wants (laughs) to come here? Like, because so, you know, the day before the announcement was made, Alonzo told um, Softnar, it's funny, right? Omar has been in the absolute shit show right now. Sorry. It's just, we're just dropping. The- <laughs> he has been in a tornado of crap as a result of this, because he was told um, the 31st, he goes, and I quote, and you know, this was, this was before the signing. Um there was here's this quote saying that Alonzo told out, you know, told Softner that he is not signed with Arnold Teams. And then before he left, I confirmed with him that he would be signing soon. And he said, Yeah, don't worry, I haven't signed with anybody else, which I think is kind of a bit of a red flag because it's not like saying that he hasn't signed yet with anybody else, but you know, it opened it, it kept the door open for interpretation. Um, but no, he signs an Alonzo signed a multi-year deal with Aston Martin for 2023 and beyond saying that the Aston Martin team is clearly applying the energy and commitment to win and is there for one of the most exciting teams in formula one today. Um, I would like to have what he's smoking because I have no <laughs> idea where this energy and commitment are coming from. Cause it just looks like an absolute rain cloud is always over Aston Martin. When I see interviews and in the pit lane. Every time there's a qualifying session, like Q1 happens and I'm like, oh no, poor Aston Martin. But at this point, it's not shocking. Like I get it from a couple of th- like a couple of different standpoints. Like we were talking about just before we started recording, it was a multi-year deal. Alpine wasn't offering him that. I think the money's a little bit better over at Aston Martin too. And I'm sure, especially someone who's got the career of Alonzo wouldn't be thrilled with anything less than what he thinks he deserves, especially if there's a younger more unproven driver who stands to benefit bigger from whatever contract they're offered. Like, but nonetheless, sure. There's great energy over at Aston Martin. I think it is a team full of people who are hungry to do well and win, but they're just not executing well. And that's great. Like I love baking. That doesn't mean that everything I bake at home is going to taste amazing. Like sometimes it's not my profession. It's not what I'm good at. So like, I don't know. Like, what are they expecting to happen over there? I also don't know why that's the analogy I've chosen to use here is baking, but, uh, like (laughs) I have the energy for it, but I'm not good at it. (laughs) Oh, right. Like formula one is a recipe like baking. You have to follow kind of like, if you screw up a step, you're really affecting your whole recipe. Mm -hmm. Like you are with your car. If you screw up one thing on arrow or chassis, you kind of, you know, you lose time. Yeah. So, you know what? I think it's, being the being an, opt, an optimistic Aston Martin fan, I think we all have to realize that it, it, success wasn't going to be immediate, and we need people to continue to instill winning ways from the experience way into a team. I think it's kind of three four years out from being dominant in this multi year deal with Alonso. I know from a surface level, it looks like a very dumb move for Alonso to go in, but again, I think it's the retirement plan. Yeah. Unfortunately, Aston Martin's kind of become the retirement plan for a lot of these people who, who have a lot of experience that can bring this experience to the team because they know they'll listen yes. and they'll, and they'll sure. control in that case. So, I, yeah, I just think it's – I find it funny that um, Alpine didn't find out until the drop of the press con- of the, of the press release. And it's what killed me the most was that Omar said <laughs> – Fernando was in some Greek isle on a <laughs> sailboat and 
on Instagram, Alonso posts a story of him having that quote tweet and him walking around the streets of Oviedo. He had I no mean, clue what was going on. No one knows what's happening. Everyone's like going all their different ways, but it made me laugh that Alpine felt caught off guard by that announcement. And then they caught someone else off with their own announcement. Yeah, because so like right away, right? They have to figure, again, right? Kind of like what happened with Oscar. You're reeling. You got to find someone to replace the driver, right? So Oscar Piastri, Formula 3, I think Formula 3? or No, Formula, Formula 2 champion. Two. Formula 2 champion. He's been a reserve driver for Alpine over the past year and hasn't had one lap in a competitive car yet, like during a race in F1. But nevertheless, an amazing driver coming up. You know, he was he was low to McLaren in terms of when Ricardo had COVID and he may have been racing there, but he's been the Alpine reserve driver now. And, you know, he's a hot commodity in the market. Mm-hmm. So according to Soft now, there were contractual obligations between 2023 and into 2024 for Piastri. So at 5 p.m. British Standard Time, Alpine puts out an announcement saying we are proud to have him nurtured and supported him throughout the difficult pathways of the junior Formula E or during a formula, and then he's going to be racing for them in 2023. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, this came at a time when everyone was sleeping in Australia, so it looked kind of yep. weird. It was very fishy in that Very case. strange. Very but, strange. And, you know, I think what was hilarious is that everyone jumped on that. Like, all the drivers started congratulating him. The Formula One outlets are doing this. We were all retweeting stuff and messaging each other like, this is sick, amazing. He's finally going to have a seat because we were all sad that he didn't get a seat this year. Yeah. And uh, what what was Oscar's reaction, Andrew? So a couple, you know, a couple minutes later when you wake up, so you know how sometimes, because like I've been, so this happened for me in the Alonzo News. I wear glasses, um, but when I wake up, I don't, right? So I usually have the face, the phone right to my face to read, you know, notes when I first get up, I go on social media, you know, shock announcement seeing, um, you know, Alonzo. I imagine Piastri had the exact same kind of like wide-eyed deer in the headlights look when he saw this and got on phone to his manager, Mark Weber, right away and said, nah, because... (laughs) Two hours later, <laughs> when the tweet was up, that came out, whatever yeah, was up, posted an Instagram story saying, I understand that without my agreement, LPF1 have put a press release late this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023, and I will not be driving for Alpine next year. Talk about a PR nightmare on the Alpine How many side. people do you think got fired over this? Uh, I think quite a few. <laughs> I think a whole haul in the marketing side at Alpine and probably in HR because you like, holy shit, you hear that? And then it's like, I hope we were like, uh, or not. <laughs> it's like, lol, JK. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this go down and this comes out and I like, I work in tech. We're hearing about all the tech layoffs. And I was like, I don't think the tech layoffs are anywhere near as bad as the layoffs happening at Alpine right now. <laughs> like, like, How bad is this look on Otmar too? Oh, it's terrible to first not have a clue what's going on with Alonzo and to make all of these comments about where he is and what's going on that were very much off base and not true. And then this happens. Yeah. 
like you lose Alonzo, one of your top drivers, to Aston Martin, a team that you formerly were a team principal at and got axed. You wanted to stick it to them. Boy, they stuck it to you again. <laughs> and then Piastri comes out and says, no, 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 I'm not driving for Alpine. Like, what does that like? What does that say about Alpine? You lost your present, your past, and your future within a matter of three hours. <laughs> and like you you are on the ropes. You just I'm at a loss for words for the most part. I mean, talk about I mean, we talk about Ferrari being a bunch of clowns on the pit wall there with their strategy, but like this goes beyond the pit wall into like the belly of the organization for something like this to happen. So I just, I, I, I didn't know how to respond to it. So like, luckily everyone was pretty quick to like respond to themselves and correct everything, but my goodness. It kind of opens your eyes as a fan about this team, because, you know, seeing how, like seeing how well the pace at Alpine is and how the strides are coming there. And to think that, you know, people don't want to sign there and drive there is kind of like, and, you know, very confusing if they, Maybe if they feel that Ocon's the number one driver and they don't, you know, people don't feel like he is a number one driver, um, that could be an issue. Maybe they're not paying as much as people thought they would. Mm-hmm. Who knows what it is, but it's just an absolute gong show um, that Alpine F1 have become in, the, in a matter of about a week uh, because literally the hottest commodity in F1 says no to you. Yeah. And you have them under contract right now, currently. And you have a, like a half decent car that's outpacing <laughs> some of the other ones. So the, the, now, the one, go ahead, go ahead. Just the one thing that makes me laugh about Alpine too, is like, I don't think a lot of people know this because Alpine is not, I think. And like, even for the folks who remember them as Renault and stuff, they've never really been, I think one of the flashier teams that kind of like show things off the same way, but they have like one of the, either the biggest or the second biggest budget behind Mercedes. Like it, it's not like they're playing with pennies over there and it's shocking that they've been able to develop this card to get drivers like Alonzo and stuff to stay. So if they are offering trash contracts to their drivers really makes me kind of question where the rest of the money for this budget is going. Is it a signal of bigger problems to come because they're like losing sponsorship and stuff like that? Is it a sign that they know this car is not going to be something that lasts and they're already trying to put their money like less into the drivers and more into development. Like it, it opens up a lot of other doors, I think, in terms of like where this mess of a week will take them. Yeah. Cause the crazy part too, is now like Piastri kind of holds all the cards and where drivers go now next season. Yeah. With doing Absolutely. so. And it's crazy to think that a guy who hasn't had one lap in F1 in terms of a race has that much power in the transfer market. It's just uh, like, I, I think it's hilarious, honestly. Like, I don't know how else to frame it. <laughs> so that happens over a matter of course of a couple hours. Yeah. So we, at this point, we do not know <clears throat> what he's going to do. No. We've heard that he's tied to McLaren. And what mm-hmm. I've heard is that he's going to sign a, to be the reserve driver for McLaren in 2023 for them then to take Danny Ricardo's spot in 2024 and be teammates with Lando Norris. Now, the problem is, though, it's like you also have Colton Herta mm-hmm. from 
or, or even Alex Palau, who's been who have been racing in F or in IndyCar, being towed, it. yeah, being tied with this with McLaren. Now it's kind of like McLaren have all these heads in the basket, and they got to figure out what to do. I think, uh, <laughs> like, it, it just makes me laugh. I think a lot of people were expecting it to be, like you said before, Ricardo to Aston Martin, if there was going to be a move of that skill where maybe some of the, I'm going to use air quotes here because Ricardo is still in the grand scheme of things pretty young, the old guard moving. But uh, yeah, there's between all of them, there's been so many jokes floating around of like all of these people cramming into one McLaren trying to race next season. Meanwhile, Ocon's going to be driving two Alpines on his own. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, look, I'm a McLaren fan, so obviously I want the best talent there at that team, but I kind of understand like uh, for all of the new regulations that have come in for the cars this year, the car is not really super competitive. So in my mind, I'm like, if you're one of those drivers and you're not contractually obligated to race for McLaren, you don't have that relationship you've been nurturing for a long time. Like why not take a gamble on a team that has a car that most likely even at the beginning of the 2023 season is going to be more competitive and get you closer to the points, if not in the points. So I uh, am curious to see what happens and who goes where as it pertains to uh, Alpine McLaren over the next couple of years. Yeah, because I also Alpine's Academy, right. Had Christian Lungard had, um, uh piastri and had joe mm -hmm. and in a matter of a year lungard's got an indycar i don't know if there's if he still has an academy association with alpine but he's gone um joe is now at alfa romeo and um piastri doesn't want to race for them yeah so i think like your top three commodities in your academy are all gone yep you know, it it's opens absurd. the door for like guys like Victor Martins, but he's a couple of years out, I think, in terms of being touted for an F1 seat, in my opinion, because he's still got to go through the ranks of Formula 3 and Formula 2, or, or Formula 2 at least. But man, what a nightmare if you're an Alpine fan um, going on this week. So that happened August 2nd. August 3rd comes it's around, third. and Williams says, we have an announcement today at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or I think it's, you know, it's like 3 p.m. BST. Yeah. And we're like, oh, shit, this is like Piastri signing with Williams, which would kind of maybe confirm everything we've talked about. But it was funny because Williams was thinking of going to the Renault engines, which had talks about Piastri going in. So I was like, is Piastri going to pull the double move on Alpine, <laughs> where only do they lose the commodity in terms of the driver, but they also lose a potential engineering part engine partner again next season by saying Piastri's like, no, nah, I'm just going to take my talents to Williams and F all y'all really at, at Alpine. Um but no, it wasn't the case. Uh, Williams announced that Alex Alvin is going to stay on for 2023 in a multi-year deal. I think very deserved. But the way he did it, Erica, was absolutely Phenomenal. Gold. Just, I understand that with my agreement, Williams Racing have put out a press release this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is right. And I have signed a contract with Williams for 2023. I will be driving for Williams next year crying laughing emoji let's go and then tags williams racing and then the reply back is the best is piastri saying congratulations mate and then it's the seth rogan meme with well played sir that was good well, 
Yeah. Like <laughs> the banter is absolutely unbelievable. The vibes are completely there. Absolutely loving it. And Piastri making a good, you know, light joke as a result of this. So I think it's going to be fun. Like we still don't know who's in that second Williams seat because uh, they haven't announced if they'll sign Latifi, but I think we're all pretty sure that's not going to happen at this point in time. But nonetheless, still love that Piastri, even though he's not signed to a team and guaranteed a seat next year is joshing around with the guys and having a good time already. So, so, so far confirmed to 2023 for the grid. Now we got Max and Serge and Checo are going to be back at Red Bull, you know, Checo, or sorry, Carlos and Charles will be at Ferrari, Lewis and George at Mercedes, um, Lando and Danny Rick currently standing in at um, McLaren and Lance and Fernando at Aston Martin. But we have five teams with one extra driver spot available. So we have Alpine who needs a driver, Alfa Romeo who has a driver, Kevin, I mean, sorry, Haas that has needs a, a second seat. Alphatari needs a second seat and Williams needs a second seat. So Erica, let's play a little bit of a prediction game now. Uh-huh. Who takes Alpine's second seat next season? Who takes Alpine's second seat? Wow. Uh Nikita Basman. <laughs> Is he still fighting the FIA saying that he was unjustly removed from his seat? I believe so. Oh my goodness, dude, get over yourself. Um, you know what I think would be an interesting move, and I, I'm curious to see if it's someone who will move up the ranks. I don't think this will happen because, again, this person is a part of the Ferrari Driver Academy, but I'm curious if Mick might end up moving away from Haas and going to a team like Alpine. Um, he has done pretty well this season. He scored his first points. He scored multiple points. Uh, we've seen him do some great stuff with this Haas, and I think he might be someone who's you know, he doesn't have like a super expensive contract either. So Alpine might be able to offer him terms that are favorable and interesting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, I know Ocon is not necessarily kind of an older, more experienced driver that Mick might look to for some of that guidance, but he's got like the family legacy, his own career to build on the ties with Sebastian Vettel and other people who are willing to kind of lead him through. So I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I think that's a possibility and something that would be interesting to see. Cause I don't think that after this season, I know people were talking about earlier in the year, you know, he had some crashes. Is he going to come back? But you know, he's kind of turned it around. And I think people are going to be looking at him to stick around for at least another year, if not longer. That's a good shout. I think that's a good idea. Um, I, yeah. I mix at that age where it's kind of, you know, He's in a tough spot with Ferrari, right? Because he's kind of stuck behind two young guys already um, mm-hmm. that are going to be carrying Ferrari for the next few years unless Sainz retires, but I don't see that happening. He's still fairly young. Um, so I can see Mick moving on to another team. Um, who knows? It could be McLaren, right? McLaren's tied to everybody <laughs> for the future. We'll but... just add more people into that yeah. hypothetical second seat that will come up, right? <laughs> exactly. But I think... Um, my my prediction for Alpine is going to be Nico Hülkenberg. And the reason I say that is because he's still a, he's a reserve driver at Aston Martin. And when Vettel retired, Alonso was signed over him. So yeah. Aston Martin clearly don't see a future with him in Formula One in terms of being on the competitive roster. Like he's been good at, on the bench role sort of idea and good as a reserve driver, but. 
I think Nico needs another kick at the can potentially, and he can go back home to Renault, who he was formerly with. And mm-hmm. he would do, I think he would do a really good job um, complimenting Ocon there in the second seat um, at Alpine. He knows the team. He knows, um, he, he knows soft now in terms of like, cause he was uh, there when race, you know, Ukenberg was there when racing, when he was our racing point um, as a reserve driver. So I think that makes a good sense for Alpine. Um, it, they're not taking a gamble on a new driver, especially in an era where, um, you know, they kept, they've grown a competitive car and with, you know, having experience there. So I think they can whisk um, Nico away from Aston Martin's reserve driver side and bring him into Alpine's kind of number two seat there. Yeah, that would be interesting. There's been so much change over at Alpine too, that I think for some of the people who may, I mean, I don't, I don't think he left on bad terms or anything like that, but just for anyone who may have been like, ah, I don't know if I like that guy or want him to come back. There's been enough turnover that I think it's like a fresh set of eyes on everything. So uh could be a potential fit for our boy Nico. Yeah, because Cyril's gone. Uh Marcin Bikowski's on, he's gone too, who was around who were around there then when Nico was in Renault. So yeah, as you mentioned, the turnover there, I think it's kind of be a good fresh start from there. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to Alfa Romeo. Who do you think is going to be the second seed? Alfa Romeo. I'm, I would honestly be surprised if Joe didn't get signed again. If I'm being candid, uh, he's done really well for Ricky and Formula One. Like, I, I know that he hasn't pulled points out of everything, but I, I'd say in the last while, he's been a little bit more consistent than Bottas. Bottas has had to retire a few times and just dropped away on the grid. So I'm pleasantly surprised with how Joe has done this season and I'd like to see him in that second seat again next year I would agree I I think it's he's had the most unlucky rookie season of anyone like of any Mm -hmm. of the new rookies that have come in the past few years I think he's driven the alpha tremendously when it's been when it's been working for him but he's gotten a lot of technical DFs that TNFs that have not been his fault I think he compliments Valtteri too well um because Valtteri's kind of given that mentorship role and he's all about learning. He's still very young and, you know, Alfa Romeo do need that sponsorship money that Joe will, that provides the table. And considering that he's had a, I would say a overall really good Ricky season, considering what has happened to him in that car that I think even more sponsorship dollars are going to be coming through to really bolster Alfa and that. So I don't really see a change in the driving lineup at all there. Um, we, I, I think it would, would make the most sense for Tevjo come back. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Erica, what do you think about Haas? Haas. Well, like I said, I can see Mick moving on to a new team. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I have, I have a couple different ideas on how this might go. One, I know Grosjean, Grosjean still really watches what's going on in F1. And I think it would be hilarious if he also came back to race with Magnuson. Uh, like when all this stuff was going down with Alpine and the driver announcements earlier this week, Grosjean's just like tweeting popcorn emojis. <laughs> um, so in my mind, I would just love if uh, Haas was like, hey, remember these last few years? Let's just forget about them and go back to it being 2020. Um, but actually what I think might happen is that uh, I can foresee potentially like say Joe doesn't sign with 
alpha. I think there could be a fit over at Haas. I know that they're not really someone who spends a lot of money developing a car, but he brings that sponsorship kind of similar to like what Mazepin was doing when he was in seat, but I think Joe's a better driver. And I think it would be a more symbiotic relationship between the two than having someone like Mazepin there. Um, or, you know, some people kind of see them as a Ferrari development team. Now, maybe it's someone else who's in the driver Academy coming up from F3 or F2 or a different like kind of racing sphere that Ferrari wants to keep their eyes on. Um, you know, like another young guy that can come in and kind of learn from Magnuson and his experience. Right. So, um, I definitely see it being a younger driver. Um, but whether or not it's like movement from say, I, I like, I don't think Yuki would go there. I don't think the only person I can really see going to that team would be Joe of the young guys that have uh, got contracts up, but otherwise it'll be someone I don't know from elsewhere. Well, it's a good point. Cause if, if Mick does move on, they have to fill the seat immediately and they truly don't trust Pietro Fittipaldi to be that person. Because, mm-hmm. they, you know, even Gene Haas has come out and said that, you know, Pietro's a good driver. He's a good reserve driver, but he's not the quality F1 driver that um, people think that he could be um, going for, which is really, a, which is really unfortunate for him. Um, yeah. Because he's kind of now stuck in a sport where he's really just, he maxed out as, he's maxed out as a reserve driver um, for a team that's, you know, not fully competitive on the grid. Um, so I could see him move on into other opportunities. But... For me, Haas has always been like, where does, because a lot of their money comes from sponsorship revenue. Yeah. And Mick provides the most sponsorship revenue right now on that team, like over Kevin, because Kevin doesn't bring in the sponsorship dollars that Mick does from the Germans catalog side, right? Yeah. One, you know, one and one, <clears throat> you know, the deals with Aldi, right? Steiner's ship, for instance, right? We saw that on Drive to Survive. So, I think Mick, I think if they don't bring in Mick, they're going to have to bring in another talent who's young, but also has very big pockets in terms of, um, I would say, sponsorship availability. And it sounds crazy, but that one person could be the current F2 driving champion leader right now in Felipe Drogovic. Really? Interesting. I think he's got big ties in Brazil with regards to sponsorship money, and he's driven really well. Haas has done that strategy before where they've taken the form of the previous F2 driver in um, going in, or previous F2 champion, which Drogovic has kind of gone and shown that he, he's 21 points up in the championship right now over Port Cher, who, okay, secondary thought, at Alpine, if Ulkenberg um, doesn't get it, I think Port Cher could be another candidate for that role because he is French. And it'd be kind of combining back oh, to the yeah. team. So, but I think, I think Mick returns, but if not, I can see Haas making in my hot take, maybe moving and getting Drogovic to come up and race in that case for Haas. I think that's, that's like a, that's a really good point that you bring up. That's entirely plausible. I think that kind oh. of move. We'll see. Like it'll be, it'll be really interesting to, to see in that case. Okay, now we're going to go into AlphaTauri. So Gasly has confirmed that the AlphaTauri is in a weird spot. Gasly's mm-hmm. con- Gasly's confirmed that he's had an extension for the next season, but he really truthfully doesn't want to be here. Yeah. So in a matter of a couple of years, they could be losing both drivers, um, which kind of opens the door up for the Red Bull Academy. Now, who do you think is going to be the second driver this coming season for them? So. My initial thought is that I think Yuki will get an extension. Um, I feel like there's so many things that 
Alpha Tauri and just the the relationship between those two drivers is being pushed. Like the two of them starting podcasting and stuff together. They really just kind of push that buddy buddy narrative. I'd be surprised for them to really invest in that to not see it pay out because like ever that's what everyone does. If you've got two drivers that get along, like there you you just look at the marketability of that for a lot of it, I think. Um, he's not a bad driver. He's had some unfortunate run-ins with the car this year a couple of driver errors but I mean like nothing to the same degree as Stroll and some of the other guys on the grid so I I think maybe they'd give him a one season extension um but it really depends on how forward thinking they are like if they've I'm you might know I'm not super familiar with who is in the Red Bull Academy so there could be some outstanding exciting talent that they're really keen to just get in F1 and start developing right away because Yuki has had that two seasons now. I think they were hoping that toward the end of last year, beginning of this year, he'd be kind of pushing like how Gasly was last year to be around that P6, P5 spot a lot of the time. And he really hasn't done that. Um, so I, unless they've got someone in the pipe, I don't think that they would go with someone other than Yuki next year. Yeah, I would agree with you in that case. I think Yuki's kind of the best fit um, for that team still. Uh, he is young, but he, you know, he has shown moments of greatness. Like Alpha Tari haven't made a good car this season. No. And all maybe they're focusing on next year now as a result, but just it's just a non-competitive car. And um <clears throat> I think all things considered, Gasly and Yuki make the best pairing on that team because again, they are buddy buddy, but they work well together. And it's shown that in races, like you know, they traditionally stage out of his way, they don't really, you know, they don't traditionally crash into each other. Um, on the track like they're very they're very amicable between the two of them and I think they have a really good relationship that why would they need to change that however nevertheless if they do not go down that road with Sonoda which I think could be a possibility there's a few drivers in the Red Bull Academy that could come up um, that are currently doing well in FT right now so we have um, Jehan Deruvala who's currently sitting fifth in the constructor the driver's championship with 94 points Um, Iwasa who has uh, 90 points Liam Lawson, as well as 88 points. So in my opinion, it depends. So if they weren't going to go the Sonoda road and they go another Red Bull Academy driver, there's kind of two ways I can look at this going. First off is if you want to look at it from a sponsorship perspective, I think Daruvala has more of a pull in the Indian market um, than I think Lawson does in New Zealand. Um, and I think the sponsorship dollars are much bigger. And of course, they're gonna be bigger in India than they would be in yeah. New Zealand. So I think if they were going to go down that road, I think Daruval would be, you know, he's he's proven to be a very good driver in F2. Um, so he could have that spot in AlphaTauri. But all things considered, in my opinion, I think Lawson's a better driver um, than Daruvala. He's driven for, um, you know, he only he, not only does he do F2, last year he did um, the, uh, DTM. And he was a top contender. Or he was a top fighting in the DTM championship with that Red Bull Alpha Tari sort of Ferrari-based team. Uh, and he's only six points back of Daruvala in the uh, con- or the drivers' championship in F two. So, oh wow! I, I think like it, it depends on what route they want to take. If they want to go the money route, I think Daruvala would be the best fit. But if they want to go, I think talent, I would go Liam Lawson because he's proven he can win in F two, and I think he could do well in an F one car. Um, and they're, but they're both very young in that case. They are young, but we've seen it time and again. If you've got some of those standout drivers and guys, you know, you can develop 
why not promote them sooner than later and give them a shot, right? So I, I agree in that case. All right, so the final team that we can talk about is Williams. So, of course, we have Albono, you know, he or Al, sorry, that's his nickname, Albon. <laughs> he signed a multi-year extension, which I think is really good for him. Um, yeah. He needed an F1 team. I think Williams is a really good F1 team for him. He's got, he's got a very good attitude. I think he's got that attitude that Yost is looking at um, in terms of a lead driver. Uh, he's willing to take risks, but he's willing to have fun on the track. I think he just prevents a good vibe um, to Williams, who, you know, could eventually get a competitive car. Oh, but, wouldn't that be nice to have a competitive Williams once again? My goodness. I think they would. And I think it's all going to be based on this number two driver. Um, first and foremost, I, I, I'm just going to say right now, I don't think Latifi gets resigned. No. By Williams. It is sad because obviously I want to see more Canadian talent out there. And I love having someone from so close to home there. Like he's a Toronto guy who went to school here for a long time. Like his family's a staple of the business and everything. So um, yeah. And I mean, I've also been impressed with a couple of things he's been able to do under wet conditions this year. It's actually like in my mind, usually when it's raining and it's slick, that's kind of when, all specs of the car are set aside and you actually get to see some of the talent people have. And he's shown that he's like not a bad driver. He's able to do well. Uh, just it's unfortunate that he's not to the same level as some of these other guys and that he's not in a best car, but um, I, I don't know if any of the current drivers would go there um, from the other teams. There's potential for it. However, a lot of the time Williams is seen, I mean, Albin has kind of proven that this isn't necessarily the case, but a lot of people see Williams as kind of a development team. This is where you come in from F2, you get a couple years under your belt. And then like George, you go to Mercedes, like Bata, I think Bottas was the same. He was Williams and then to Mercedes, right? And even though they're not a feeder team for Mercedes, they've made that abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. It, it's just how this happens to play out a lot of the time since they work closely together. And, uh, so in my mind, I wonder if maybe one of those guys from F2, if they don't go to Alpha Tauri or one of these other teams might take a seat there instead, because it's like your foot in the door, get some reps in before you move to one of those other more competitive teams. When we see some of these guys, because, you know, in the next couple of years, probably Perez is going to retire. Um, I think likely under similar circumstances to Vettel, it'll be more a choice about family than anything else. Um, Ricardo, you know, he doesn't seem like he wants to retire sometimes. Other times he makes it sound like he's kind of ready to take a step back. You know, the day is coming for Alonzo, even though it's a multi-year deal. There's just a whole bunch of movement that's going to happen, well, forget, I think. Don't forget Lewis, too, is probably going to retire in the next few seasons as well. Yeah, we've got – I always forget about that because he seems invincible, and I feel like he's going to be, like, 85 and still racing in Formula 1, and we're just going to, like, see this, like, decrepit little man hop out. I hope he's car. like Tom Brady in that way. Yeah. <laughs> 45 and still kicking around an F1 winning world championships. I mean, just retires so cool. for retires for two months and then comes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He realized the retirement life ain't for me. <laughs> He'll say he's retiring at the summer break and then like show up at the next race after and be like, lol, JK, I'm still here. And we're still going for the championship. Um, But I like, I, so I think there's potential for someone to like a, a young buck to come in and take that seat there. Maybe learn a bit from Albono's experience now. So I think that the one way it could work is that I think Piastri could sign with McLaren um, this coming year as a driver, and then maybe get loaned out to Williams, get some that F1 mm-hmm. experience um, in a in a Mercedes powered car. Yep. 
and then there, then he can join 2024 when Danny Rick, and maybe it's a swap. Maybe Danny Rick then goes to Williams in 2024 and Piastri goes to McLaren. So maybe that kind of like, there's a clause that could happen underneath that um, for that way. But if that wasn't to happen, I could honestly see this happening again, where a former Red Bull driver goes to Williams and maybe it's Sonoda if he doesn't resign with AlphaTauri. Interesting. Get two of them in there. You've got the former in Albin and you'd have the former in Sonoda. And like Sonoda, again, fits the driving style, likes to take risks on yeah. track. Sure, he makes mistakes, but I think they need a young, energetic lineup at Williams to really make moves um, on the grid. And who better not than uh, Alex and Yuki? And they have a good connection together being part of the Red Bull Academy and doing all the videos together in socials last year. Uh, That'd be so fun. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that happening. I don't, you know, if neither of those happen, oh man, like Logan Sargent has been spotted for a F, like an FP1 drive this year in the U.S. And if they want to build the U.S. presence, maybe Williams take the drive, maybe take a gamble yeah. on Sargent, bring him up from the academy. He's third in the he's third in the drivers' championship right now in F2. Um, but maybe that's maybe that's a route they want to take. I think Williams just kind of have. I think Williams has a lot of opportunities. I think mm-hmm. the, the fallback is obviously Latifi. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's their first and foremost plan overall. I think it's not even like from William's standpoint, but I feel like Latifi is also just not super hurt in it for staying in F1. Like he clearly loves the sport, but after the abuse he went through at the end of the season last year and stuff, I think it was like a little bit disenchanting. Yeah. And there's still so much going on with that. Like he's had the awesome moments and everyone talks about Gotifi and stuff, which is great that at least he gets recognition when he does stuff well this time around. But I, I, I feel like it just, he's, he's not as like gung ho about it as he used to be. I think he'd be a good fit in um, IndyCar. Yeah. yeah. I think he'd have a blast in IndyCar. Honestly, yeah. I think he it's a little bit be- like less high stakes, the pressure's off, but you're still doing the stuff that you love to do. There's still a lot. Yeah, kind of going on. That's like what Roman said. It's it's just a drifting style, different drive style. He's like, you could just drive the shit out of the tires in yeah. IndyCar without having to worry about tire management here in F1, all that kind of stuff. I think it's maybe it suits him better. Maybe it's a different, better lifestyle for him in that case. And it, again, you know, IndyCar is still a very competitive um, track. Like, I don't think it's a knock to say if they go from F1 to IndyCar. I think it's and IndyCar has become a very fun, um, you know. Uh, like a single seat automobile competition to watch in my opinion. Um, So yeah, that could, so that's kind of our prediction for the F1 grid. You know, (laughs) there's no, like, I'm curious to hear what happens next. Like for a quote unquote summer break, a lot of stuff has happened. I think what's going to happen is uh, I'm going to have the popcorn at the ready I'm going to be ready to, at a moment's notice, hop onto my couch and open up Twitter and see what insanity unfolds before us. That's my plan. (laughs) Because who knows, by the time this episode goes out, there could already, yeah. Yeah. Who who even knows? We could be cramming five dudes into one seat at McLaren (laughs) instead of the four we've already indicated on this pod. This could be a rotation in the second seat. It's going to be great. We're going to have a different driver driver for every session. So right now we've got enough for FP1, 2, 3, and Quali. We just need to figure out who's going to be in the car for the race on that fifth one. So. 
So it's it's going to be insane. But nevertheless, Erica, thank you so much for joining uh, me this week or this in the second part. We're talking about the crazy week that was. And, when, you know, when we do our midseason review in a couple of weeks, we could see what the what could happen in the crazy weeks leading up to the Belgian GP. And maybe our summer predictions are right. Maybe some of them are wrong, but I'm excited to see what happens. And I'm curious to know what other people think. Like, did we say something that struck a chord with these predictions? Yeah. Do you think I'm totally off base by thinking that Mick is going to go to Alpine? I don't know. I just want to know what other people are thinking. Cause I know some people have watched different feeds and heard different kind of commentary on the races over the season. So we're all coming at this from different angles, but uh, I, I don't know. I want some food for thought. Yeah, let us know in the comments, the YouTube video. Send us DMs on Instagram. We want to know your thoughts on where people are going to be going because stuff's about to go down. Stuff is about, you know what? Screw it. Shit's about about to go go down. down. Bring it back around. (laughs) It is going to be an insane couple weeks leading up to the Belgian GP. Um, But until our mid-season review, thank you so much for watching. Everybody have a great summer break. Um, make sure you take some vacation, uh, self-care time because it's, you know, the drama of F1 is just, you know, crazy that you need to take a little break. As Erica mentioned, get the popcorn ready because shit's about to go down. Get a little bath bomb going, draw the water in there. Maybe uh, a glass of wine, a, a glass of wine. And maybe that's how you're watching it all go down. I don't know what you do in your spare time. But thank you sounds so much. Lovely for either way. Oh, sounds like an amazing time. But thank you so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at f1.podcast. Uh, follow us at XReachy YouTube, as well as, um, you know, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. This has been season two, episode 16, part two of the F1 podcast. Signing off, Andrew. Erica, final words? Thank you so much, everyone. This was fun it was different we had so much to talk about and we didn't even talk about the race really so love it love you this is amazing have a great day everybody